This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 918. Nate's epic journey continues. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 918. It's another Comic Talk episode, as I'm joined by Nathan Strzok, as we're once again going to delve into his recent uh, epic collection, Obsession, um, which we talked about last on episode 880, which was back, uh, I guess, for June or so, or May or June. And so now we're going to kind of see where you've come in the month since, because... I'm mean, obviously I follow it all the time. You're always talking about it, but um, there's so many things I want to kind of get into about this because at the time we were really kind of talking about how this was kind of something that was new and taking hold for you. And as the time has gone on, the hunt has obviously been a thrill for you to try and find these things. But uh, as we go along, you know the hunt is kind of coming to a close as well. Although your your scope is also expanding. So what can you tell us about how your epic collection obsession and and uh, hunting has continued. Hi, I'm Nathan, <laughs> and I have a problem. Um, I, I didn't. That's not how you titled this. Like when you were talking to me, uh, where you texted me earlier, that it's like, oh, this is going to be an update on Nathan's epic collecting kind of. Uh, I don't know journey, but I, I guess I dig it. I like that. I mean, I'm, I'm proud to be a member uh, on your show and be of enough interest to perhaps you and your listeners that would even want to ask me about this but uh okay so yeah june eh? I, I always find it interesting just because as i said before like i i was in the epic game at the beginning like well maybe not quite from the beginning but close enough like i remember seeing the initial solicits for when the epics were first even being launched as a new thing um and again like there was only a few lines like so i'm always so interested from it from your perspective because you come into it and there's already so many established lines like if you have a character that you love, there's probably a line for that character already for the most part. Whereas at the beginning, there was a very narrow band um, because they did not know if this was going to work. They didn't know if people were going to care. They, you know, Obviously, they probably had ideas, but you know, they didn't really know if this was going to be something that would fly. So they didn't want to commit too many. I mean, they were already committing, let's be honest. like Each of the lines had at least 20 volumes projected. So they were committing like 100... 150 volumes already, but they weren't committing to as many lines across the you know the board. So you come into it, and like all this stuff already exists, and but you're also having to deal with the fact that there's books that you need and want that are now like out of print because you know the the program has been running seven years. So that's why I was so interested at, from it from a perspective of view to kind of jump into something that's already populated, which is exciting, but also hard to find. And you've been there, I mean, you said you've been there since the beginning. You're not kidding. Like, you were there with the Clone Saga complete epic. It's not an oh. epic collection, but yeah. it's an epic, right? So you I were You're there. right. I don't, I don't count those, but yes. And actually, predating that, there was the Age of Apocalypse complete epics. Yeah. Because uh, that was yeah. the like, mid-2000s, which really are not great. Um, just because <laughs> the printing quality and the reproductions are actually pretty poor. I've, I've been meaning to upgrade to the more recent volumes, but just haven't been able to do it because I like the old spines. I like how they kind of work together. And again, it kind of thematically fits with the onslaught trades as well. But, uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I, I don't think of those as being part of that. Um, but yeah, you have the clone saga epics, you have the age of apocalypse epics and you have the onslaught epics. And I guess those are the, the prototypes. It's interesting because 
you also have Ultimate Spider-Man have the Ultimate Collections, which are essentially just epic collections, but they just weren't called that. Um, although, I guess, or complete collections, because, again, uh, at times, epic and complete can be similar ideas. Um, I remember also getting large trades that were what we would call proto-epics now. Like, I have one called The Captain for Captain America, and it collects a lot of what is in now a, a similar epic. Um, but again, very big, beefy trade, and at a time when they weren't doing as many of these big, beefy trades, and definitely piloting that idea. Um, so it's a, there was also like a one with the Avengers, who was the court-martial of Yellow Jacket or the trial of Yellow Jacket, and that's considered to be, again, a proto-epic that them trying to test the waters on something like this. The Incredible Hulk had a couple of these big proto-epics, and now you know they have actual epics that are going to replace those eventually, but it's interesting to see how that's come about. Yeah, to see how books that, I mean, visionaries and all these other kinds of styles or approaches to books that people had kind of like picked and chose. And, um, you know, the, the visionary that comes to mind first for me is the Peter David, all new, all different X Factor, stuff like that. And for some reason, they just never really appealed to me. I never really, because I never really wanted to just grab an artist's work, mm. which I might be completely counter to what, what the sales told them. Like, you know, when you're selling a Sylvester and you're selling a, a Jim Lee collection for X-Men, they must have done very, very well, and the John Byrne stuff, right? And, of course, the Frank Miller is, is quite famous for this, and people just very happy to buy Miller's stuff on Daredevil and maybe never buy anything else before or after his work. Mm. Um, and the epics just, for some reason, I don't... <laughs> We're all trying to put our finger on it, aren't we? There's all these conversations online and there's all these like message boards and Facebook groups and trying to figure out for each one of us what it is about this format that has made us so interested. Um, like you point out, there's a commitment to having essentially the beginning Silver Age for many of these characters up until the modern age. Um, like with Spider-Man where, you know, I was talking to you the other day and you're, you're saying, well, I mean, those epics of the, the Clone Saga, it kind of looks like they're going to go bookend to bookend, right? That it's going to be the final, um, was life death? Not life death. Sorry, that's no, X-Men. No, you're right. No, that's, uh, life theft. No, life theft. Uh, it'll be life theft, amazing, uh, Spider-Man, and then it will probably just go right next to the first volume of the, mm-hmm. the clone saga epic. So, in that way, not only are they kind of proto-epics, but they actually will make it come full circle. Like, we're going to fill in all the Spider-Man stuff until the clone books, and then those clone books will encapsulate all of Spidey's stuff for those years um, through Ben Riley's time. And and that's exciting to think about that on your shelf, that you could have all of that, and then you could have this library, and there's this, like, Library of Alexandria thing going through our heads where, like, we'll finally have almost an encyclopedia or, or full history of the Marvel Universe and I can point to it and I can show a friend or I can recommend a story to a friend. And it's genius. I mean, they, I've heard people talk about this before, that not putting the numbers on the spines is a stroke of genius uh, because people will not be tempted as much to say, well, I've, got, I've grabbed volume four and volume seven. I feel like it's incomplete. No, they can grab the stories that jump out to them. I enjoyed the story in volume one or the creators in volume four and just bounce around. So man, it's just, this is combination of factors and the, the confidence, I think, that a lot of collectors have that this will, this is the big one, right? That this will actually not stop partway through and we're going to invest our money in it. So when I decided this year that I was going to expand my collection from, what was it? It was uh, Moon Knight Volumes 1 and 2, uh, which you had gifted me. <laughs> and um, Wolverine... <laughs> is that what it was? Is that your ulterior motive? Oh, no, not at all. Um, I just knew you really liked Moon Knight, and finally you could yeah. replay Because I think you had the essentials, right? You had the black and whites. Yeah. And, yeah. like, you know, this is, you know, although of all characters, Moon Knight's probably not the worst one to have black and white. 
Um, but there's no. just, but there's something about yeah being able to kind of replace that. It's interesting, right? I, I because if you look back, you know, you had the masterworks, and the masterworks were really popular, yeah. but they were a high end product. They were expensive. And they didn't have many issues. They had like 10 issues. Um, but the reproduction was a big factor. And they were hardcover. And, but they were chronological. And that, in some ways, is maybe what deterred some people. Because they're like, well, I really want to buy Iron Man, but I don't really want to go back to the beginning. I don't want to have to wait for it to finally get to the Bronze Age or the you know whatever the case might be. When the epic started, and they're like, we're just going to go... Yeah, it was like they took a shotgun blast to time, you know to what time period and just be like we're just going to publish stuff all over the place. You never know what volume you're going to get. That's kind of exciting because if I was an amazing Spider-Man fan, but I really wanted to read this stuff again, like let's say McFarlane stuff, and I wanted that to be in a nice collected format that wasn't an omnibus and something I could just put on my shelf. The Epics gave me an ability to do that. Whereas if I had had to wait for the Masterworks to get there, I'd be very old. I mean, because they're in the, cause they're, I think, in the, the mid-200s. So uh, I guess by now it's not so bad. But, I mean, seven or eight years ago, it would have seemed like an impossibility that you would ever get there, that you'd finally got the seeds of the stuff reprinted. So I think there's, that's part of what made people excited, was that, you know, you didn't have to wait. You didn't have to have this long, interminable wait for the Marvel Masterworks to get there. They could just jump around and do it all. Like, if you really wanted to get some of the weird, you know, early 90s Marvel stuff, you, you will. You, you have. Um, whereas again, if Masterworks would take a long time to get there, um, the uh, essentials were beautiful because they were cheap and you got a lot of issues, but black and white. And that was the big strike against them, obviously, for a lot of people. They're like, I want the color. Yeah. It's not enough. Um, I like that they're giving this to me, but it's not really the product as I want it. So finally, we're getting it in color. And yes, it's been getting more and more expensive over the years, um, but that's just you know the, the cost of doing business. The paper printing costs go up, etc. But, I mean, again, it's still relatively affordable for the amount of issues you're getting, and you get a library. I mean, I think that's the big thing that excites people too, right? The idea that you have a shelf. If someone wanted, if someone came into my house and they're like, I really want to read Spider-Man, I could just be like, here you go. 26 volumes. Enjoy. Yeah, and I, you know, you gave me these volumes to hook me, and for some reason, I don't know if it was because my brain was still stuck in the Marvel, the Masterworks stuff, the Masterworks never really appealed to me. I didn't like the design of the books, the mm-hmm. formatting of them, uh, the costs. And so, and now knowing as as, far, as long as they've been ongoing, that they still haven't really completed runs, full runs in Marvel Masterworks, it just kind of like cares. But they're going fast enough and including enough content in these epic re- uh, releases. That when it finally came, t- came time this year, and I guess for a lot of people, it's this pandemic era where... You might not be traveling. You might not be going out as much to, to places or dining. So you might have some more money than you would have otherwise to spend on products that you can enjoy inside. Mm-hmm. So that combined with a new, a renewed interest in the history, particularly of X-Men, that happened you know, last year, and I was kind of humming and hawing about it. This year just kind of became that year where I'm like, I want to go all in. I want to have all the X-Men books. I want to know this, this material for myself. I was inspired by... Know, certain podcasts, um, you know, like the Schreiber podcast or um, the Claremont Project. It's called the Claremont, called the Claremont Run, I believe it's called, mm-hmm. uh, which is an academic series of essays and uh, soon to be a book. I, I believe he's going to publish. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like that kind of stuff. Really has stirred the pot, stirred the pot. It has a different connotation. Uh, let me say stirred my stirred me to action in a different way. And so I started this year with those two. Moon Knight volumes, and then it was The Dying Game, which I think might be volume 9 of Wolverine, I think so. and then Madripoor Knights, which certainly is volume 1, 
and I don't even remember where volume one came from. I don't even know why I have it, but I had three at least from you, which um, I'm grateful for because they're lovely. And then I just started doing my best, right, with Dark Phoenix Saga. Mm-hmm. comes out in spring, and uh, we get a new printing of Mutant Genesis in the early summer. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I could read more. Maybe I could get a greater context by learning about the new mutants and about Excalibur. And we talked about this. <laughs> At the time, you were like, because um, I was naming other books. And you're like, well, they actually already have Excalibur epics now. And there's four of them. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So now I'm looking <laughs> into this and realizing that the first two are out of print. So it really has been an interesting year of returning to a lot of my roots of sifting through bins and I'm collecting singles now. Some of my singles, just like old favorites that I've since sold uh, from the 90s or covers that I really enjoy and also finding and searching for epics. So it has definitely been a lot of mini treasure hunts. Almost every weekend is like an attempt for to, to find new books mm-hmm. and treasure hunt. So uh, you mentioned that I'm my journey's almost done. I mean, in a way, uh, this journey to this point was just to find the books that I had not, that I had missed, essentially. The ones that would be current if mm-hmm. they were available to sell to me. Um, and, of course, there's a number of out-of-print books included in that list. So my hope would be this year to catch up so that going forward, because um, those of you who know Epic Lines, you, you probably already know that the X-Men line is absolutely not complete. So I'm just going to be collecting pre-orders going forward and I won't have to be freaking out about how to find the some of these fill-in books along the way so yeah I'm, I'm down to one Wolverine book I'm missing and one X-Men book and I'm pretty much caught up with everything else X-Factor X-Force um, I have the third volume of Moon Knight now um, and now I'm dipping my toes into other rivers because I can't help myself so um, collecting Dare, Daredevil with and Ascentes run. I have two volumes of that. I have one on pre-order, and then the final volume of that comes out next year. Mm-hmm. So this is my life now. Oh, for sure. No, I, so I had a, a few questions in there. So yeah, obviously now you're going to be current with a lot of these lines, which is exciting. And now instead of kind of looking backwards and trying to find stuff you missed, you can look at the you know when we get new solicitations for epics or when Omar drops new videos. Like when you see his suit, you know a picture of him in a suit, you know that something <laughs> something good's about to happen. He's about to drop some news. Um, so I have a few questions about that. So as as you said, like you started dipping your toes into other areas that were not immediately something that jumped out at you, and it seems like that kind of 80s and 90s Marvel period is definitely piquing your interest in that you're kind of jumping in or at least thinking about you know stuff that we haven't gotten yet, like Thor by um, Walt Simonson is you know, definitely a, an easy an easy sell, although you could buy it in Omnibus. Um, although no. Omnibus has a different printing, that's right, a different coloring, so I'm really, yeah. um, that's actually a, a big question for me that I might consider getting the epics is that I have the Omnibus, I don't need the epics for Thor, but if it has the original coloring and not the recoloring they did for the Omnibus, I'm going to have to give it some serious thought, especially because I have all the, well, not all the, but I have a number of the Thor epics that come right after Simonson because you have DeFalco coming on with friends, and I have that entire run. Um, so Thor's an interesting one. Obviously, you've been talking about Spider-Man, and every day you make me laugh because you, you keep getting closer and closer to just jumping in on Spider-Man. Because originally it was like, so well, close. well, maybe I'll maybe I'll read this one, or maybe I'll read that one, and suddenly it became I'm going to buy every clone saga I could find, and then it's like, well, I guess I should go back to Maximum Carnage. Maybe I probably need Life Theft. When does it stop? <laughs> Yeah, so I, what was it, the other week? I was like, I think I need all the Clone Saga stuff, and now I have three volumes of the Clone Saga, so I'm missing two and four. Hopefully by the time this goes out to your listeners, I've got those two. 
Um, <laughs> and then I'm trying to track down the six Ben Rileys because you can't have five without the other six, right? Oh, you really can't. Shake that. And yeah, and then I'm like, well, now I'm in an interesting situation because I really wanted the Todd McFarlane run. I don't technically have them all. I have most of them in those two volumes. The Venom volume, mm-hmm. is that 16 or something like that? And then seven, no, is it 18 and 19? I don't know. Um, Assassination Nation? Yeah. Or is it a um, or is it Assassination? I think it's Assassination Nation. Yes. And the volume that, so that's the volume that follows Venom. Yeah. And so when I have those two, I mostly have the McFarlane stuff, but then I'm like, well, maybe I should just go and get, what is it, Cosmic Adventures or whatever it's called? The, the Larson stuff? Yeah, Cosmic Adventures, yeah. It's, Which you don't think is uh, good? I think it was one of the first ones they ever announced, and that, that was, I didn't buy it. Like when they first came out with the Epics, I'm like, I don't think I care for that. I don't know if I need this. At the time, yeah. I wasn't thinking I'm going to have to buy them all anyway. Um, yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't until <laughs> later that I was kind of like, no, no, I have to get this eventually anyway. It's not the greatest. It's got a weird smorgasbord kind of feel because you have a bunch of books that aren't Amazing Spider-Man. The book was felt like it was in transition, but it's still important. So I'm mulling that one, and then I'm like, well, if I'm that close now with the you know end of the 80s, early 90s Spider-Man stuff, and I want to go back, I want to grab Craven's Last Hunt as an epic, mm-hmm. I actually preemptively sold the, what are those called behind your head? The pre- are those called the premium editions? Uh, premier Classic Hardcovers. Premier Classic. So I had a bunch of them, and I realized I was going to start overlapping with those. So I only really kept, I got rid of God, um, God Loves Man Kills, I got rid of a bunch of them, and kept my favorite one, which is the Weapon X hardcover Barry Windsor Smith. Wait, wait, you got rid of Craven? Yeah. I my phone didn't ring. It didn't say hey. Um, why do you need it? I don't have it. I had no I had no idea that you would oh my that God. you would, would not have it. I'm pretty sure that's one of the only ones I'm missing from Spider Man that I really cared cared for. Because I, I didn't buy them originally and I bought them kinda later. Um, yeah, well, I mean, my phone didn't ring. I'm, I'm heartbroken. No, I didn't. I thought for sure you would have it. If, if there was a, a single thought in my mind that you didn't have it, it would have been yours. I'm sorry. That's okay. It happens. I mean, yeah, I, I do not. It's one of those things I always kind of wanted, but I already had it in other formats, and so I always felt yeah. like I didn't need it. But then once it was gone, I was like, I really should have had that. Well, I'm sorry about that. But that's one of the reasons why I'm like, I'm going to grab Craven when... I get a reprint of that or when I find it on the shelf. So I'm going back into the 80s. Mm-hmm. And so then how far back in the 80s am I going to go? Well, I'm probably going to want to grab stuff around Secret Wars. So now what am I doing with my life? Now it's just like, well, I guess I should get the 70s. Like, Yeah. So I mean, that's my falling. Spider-Man's interesting because you can keep kind of ratcheting backwards. Because as you said, like, well, at least you know Craven's Last Hunt will always be reprinted. Um, yeah. Because, like, of any Spider-Man volume, like, that's a... It's a perennial seller. They, I mean, they constantly put it out in select editions, other, you know, other special editions. Like they will always print that book because it will always sell. Uh, so at least you know you have a certain degree of comfort that you'll get that eventually. Um, I would say, yeah. Then you have the again Defalco Friends run, which is come encompassed with essentially uh, fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen. And then in fourteen, you're going to have half of Ron Friends and Tom DeFalco, and half Roger Stern, which is some of the best Spider-Man ever. So I think you have to keep going back there because then you have Stern and John Romita Jr. Um, and that's an incredibly seminal run. So you're again, you're just kind of moving that goalpost backwards because you, have, you need a bunch of those. And then then you get into the Bronze Age, and it's a little iffier. But if I go that far, I'm going to go all the way up. Then all the way up to the Clone Saga, right? Like that's. Yeah, kind of my head is spinning I also picked up a volume of Silver Surfer the other day because I've always been interested in reading 
Uh, well, I, uh, first of all, I have the Thanos Quest on Comicsology, those four issues, because I just thought the description sounded so cool, and it was like leading up to I think Endgame was coming out in theaters, and I'm like, you know what? I haven't actually read these. I'm aware of this, but his mm. it's essentially his Hercules and his you know his his feats or his journeys or his, his tasks he has to complete, and it was kind of like that, but with for an evil you know death god. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> so I'm like, well, Jim, Star- I really enjoyed it. I I, I know some of Jim's, Jim Jim uh, Jim Starlin's work, and I'm like, I've always wanted to read the Jim Starlin Silver Surfer stuff. It's talked about highly. And I grabbed the volume of Jim Starlin's work, the one called uh, Thanos Quest for Silver Surfer. And now I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to at least get Jim's work. And now I have Silver Surfer volume sitting on my shelf. And then I was looking at the 80s stuff for Black Widow in a second volume of the Black Widow epic. And I grabbed that because some of the art looks so good. I don't know. It's just, it keeps going and going. (laughs) Now, with the Starlin stuff, so his protege on Silver Surfer was Ron Mars. And so Ron Mars was definitely working... With a, yeah. with a Jim Starlin kind of bent. So it wasn't like he was just coming out of it. Not that he's not creative in his own way, but he was definitely you know a disciple of, of, um, of Starlin. So would you continue with the Ron Mars run on Silver Surfer as well until that book eventually ends? Would you? Are you recommending no. Mars? No, okay. Yeah, sorry, I should take that back because that sounds like I'm condemning it. I don't know it well enough to say anything either way. Um, it's a lot of people really enjoy it. It's a very specific version of Silver Surfer. Uh, again, it's Ron Mars, and I think a lot of it's Ron Lim. And I, your mileage may vary on Ron Lim. Uh, some people really love him. Some people really don't. Um, I only like him on Silver Surfer. On Silver Surfer, I think he's perfect. On other books, I don't really dig it. So it's interesting. I mean that happens, right? I mean that's how I feel about the Allreds. I don't really love the Allreds at all, but I read their work in Silver Surfer with Dan Slott, and like this is the best book I've ever read. It looks so gorgeous, and everything, every every dot looks like absolutely perfect for the moment. And yet I read them in Ecstatics and or X Force. I'm like I, I I can't read this. I don't enjoy this. Huh. I, I that's something I've mulled over too, taking a shot at those books because I've never read them. They, the Allreds turned me off at the time, but I've come around to them, and I really like their work now. So. That's, it's not an epic. I know they just released a collection mm-hmm. of Ecstatics um, not too long ago, but it's not an epic book, so mm, do I just wait until they eventually do make it an epic book? I don't know. It's, it's probably too recent. Uh, you know, it's interesting, right? Because you, you have X-Force, and so X-Force epics, in theory, would at least cover part of the you know what becomes Ecstatics run because they, you know, they take over the X-Force book, then it ends, and then eventually they start a new book, which is just Ecstatics. So, in theory, you would get that in an epic for X Force someday down the line. In theory, I mean, but you don't know. I mean, and like uh, a more obvious one, I guess, is with characters like. I mean, if we ever get a Cable epic, because we don't. Like we've yes. had, we've had Cable, yes. Cable and X Force. We've had like Cable Classic. But it's always been kind of rough, and I don't know what that's going to look like if he eventually gets his own run. Because they've had proto-epics for him, too, and like really large trades, And but there's still some stuff that's kind of relatively uncollected, but not a lot of it anymore. But like he has, you know, his book becomes Soldier X. Well, right now, the Soldier X stuff is in, the, in like an oversized hardcover, but not in a soft cover. So you can get up to a certain point uh, with uh, Cable Revolution, and then when he becomes... What becomes Soldier X, but still in the cable book, is not collected in softcover, but only in hardcover. It's really messy. And I guess with X-Men, the question for you is, you know, at some point, I don't know how far the epics are going to go. No one really knows for the X-Men where that's going to go. Do you end up buying these larger collections like X-Men Unstoppable, um, collecting, you know, the... the, the, um, 
the Chuck Austin run? Do you get the X Core, you know, over uh, larger uh, soft cover as well with like that uh, that uh, Wolverine and Gene making out on the cover, um, you know, covering that kind of beginning of that run? The Churchill cover, yeah. yeah, the one that's running concurrent to the new X Men at the time. Like, you know, where do you draw your line when it comes to X Men? Because there's a lot of beefy trades for X Men that exist, and a lot of more modern complete collections as well. Do you just say no? It has to be an epic, or how do you address it? No, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've, I've only really collected the, vo- the volume I'm missing currently uh, for X Men is Second Genesis, so that's kind of where I wanted my starting point to be, which is Volume Five. I know there's four volumes before that with Silver Age stuff. I'm not really interested at this time in that. I don't love the, Kirk, the Lee Kirby stuff or, or run on that book, so I'm not really. You know, everything is like an opportunity cost, right? There's so many people talk about, do I want to buy this sandwich right now, or could I save this up and not buy as many sandwiches and then I have an epic? And it's really a one-to-one with epics. Like, do I want to spend my money on this epic, or do I want to spend my money on another epic that I want even more? So mm. that's that's the thought there with X-Men books. So when I'm starting with Claremont, I kind of see Claremont as the beginning of the X-Men that I really like. Mm. I would like to read everything X-Men, I think, at some point. Do I want to collect them all and have them on my shelf? Maybe. That's kind of a, a thought for another day, I suppose. But, uh, you know, at the same time, this was going on with, with my sinking into this uh, this hole, if you want to call it that, of epics. That makes it sound negative. I think it's a mountaintop, ascending a mountaintop. <laughs> um, I'm also going, well, there's other lines that are, or runs that are highly celebrated. I already have the whole Morrison run. I already have the whole Whedon run. Um, and then there's how do, you, how do you own those volumes and the, the, those complete collections they did for them? No, I own them in the the numbered smaller like oh, arcs. Okay, yeah, which is my preference for collecting. But I like them in smaller arc contained um, volumes. So the my carry run, which has I don't know, if there's other collections beyond those single volumes, those, those arcs. But um, I went and I found them all, and I have now I miss. I, oh no, I'm one volume away from completing. All of getting all of my carry stuff. Oh, so which one? That's it's the it's I think it's called. There's two names for it actually. Um, it's the one. It's it's, it's X Men. It's not X Men Legacy. I have all the X Men Legacies. Mm-hmm. It's an X Men book, and there's two. One I think one of them is called Supernovas. I believe the the original one or the newer one. Um, well, let me let me grab my app here because I have an app now to track down the things that I'm missing. And I also want to get the, the, the Peter Milligan stuff too, but uh, that's I can't find those anywhere. Anyway, so yeah, both of the volumes are called the they're, they're different names, but they include the same issues according to this app. Anyway, one is called X Men Marauders Trade Paperback, and the other yes. one's called X Men Supernovas. Yes, and at least according to this app, maybe I should like not look at an app, but it says they are they both include X Men one eighty eight to one ninety nine and, and annual number one. So I'm like, okay, that is correct. Yes, but Marauders collects past that. It collects uh, 200 to 204. Okay, so then this app is wrong. Oh, wait, no. Okay, I just didn't read the rest of the line. It does collect a few more issues. So what I'm need to, what i looking for, I suppose, is the Marauders one. Then. Okay. If that it collects more. That one's a bigger, beefier collection that's more modern than the others. Hmm. So maybe it'll be easier to find. Oh, Marauders you can get, like, right now for 46 bucks on Amazon. Where? On Amazon. Oh, great. Okay. Well, maybe I'll just do that. Because it's yeah, it's much easier to find. It's uh, yeah, it's it was published in 2018. It's only three years old. It's much later than the rest. It, it kind of supplanted the original Mike Carey uh, single volumes. Okay, cool. So yeah, like I'm just trying to find, I suppose, some of the more celebrated runs and be able to read those. And so now I have two of them. Um, 
with Eden and and uh, Morrison, and then I pretty much have my carry stuff. So that's kind of like epic focus for now, mm-hmm. and we'll see what it, how it shakes out a little bit later. Because you know, as you were saying, we don't really know how it's going to pan out. With Uncanny X Men and X Men are being collected together now under the Epic line that that started with uh, Second Gen, no, sorry, Mutant Genesis. And now with Bishop's Crossing, we're like, okay, I guess here we go. Yes. This is what they decided to do. How long will that go for? When that announcement uh, came out that we were getting Bishop's Crossing, I think everyone was like, kind of lost their shit. They're like, okay, well, this is this is how we're going to finally understand what the plan is. Because up until that moment, really no one knew. I remember you being like, well, where is it going to go? And I'm like, we don't know. Like, this is, yeah. this is the demarcation line. This is how we're going to figure out how that's going to work. Because everyone was like, is it going to be a separate book? Um, but eventually the books become intertwined. How do you handle that? It's, it's very insidious. I mean, that's part of the problem with some of the Amazing Spider-Man stuff, too. Yeah. Um, more of the Clone Saga, which is why you can't just make an Amazing Spider-Man, because it wouldn't make sense. You'd have a series of collections of only getting one-fourth of the story. It just wouldn't work from a... It wouldn't be a satisfying reading experience at all. Although I guess it would replicate what it would, would have been like at the time to be buying Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man on the newsstand, not being able to find the other books that are you know more likely to be found at comic book stores than newsstands. I mean, if you want to replicate what it felt like to be in nine, you know, nineteen ninety four and nineteen ninety five, and being frustrated, I guess it would have been very successful. No, exactly right. Um, so I'm kind of just collecting what I can, so they don't go out of print. Now that becomes a thing, right? It becomes a part of this culture that you're like, well, I could wait and see on some of these, but then when you do that, they go out of print, and then they end up being like twice or three times the cost that they would have been on there on their shelf. So now you can just hear people buying almost preemptively they're like well i would take some more time to think about where this goes or maybe i need to move some money around but i can't because i have to pre-order this i have to have it and then try to get it in as good a condition as possible this is the big concern with large volumes as well that are that are soft cover lots of issues with companies uh that may or may not rhyme with amazon that are shipping these in horrible packaging and they're bent or torn or all sorts of things and it's just like so now that's also a calculation. I have all these potential places I can buy some volumes for from right now, and I'm going, yeah, but how will they package them? Like that's my <laughs> thought that I would never have. I think with other books, so mm. this whole large cultural milieu that I'm part of now. Now speaking of again this 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 cultural milieu. I mean, it's been interesting to see, as you go through your own epic journey, um, how you've interfaced with, obviously, the epic fandom itself, which, you know, again, when it started, it didn't exist. And over the years, I mean, we're part of the Epic Collection kind of um, a Facebook group, which is very large now. I think it's, what, a, is it over a thousand people now that are all part of this this crazy club? Um, but it started with yeah, nothing, yeah. right? Like, it's funny, I uh, whenever I, I don't post often, necessarily, I'm not, uh, you know, a frequent poster, but it's funny because I'm technically, like, founding member because I was one of the first people there with Curtis um, at this, you know, again, I, I was with him when he started his podcast. I remember seeing him saying, oh, I'm going to do a podcast about the Epic Collections, who's in, who wants to be part of this, so it's interesting to kind of be there at the beginning of that, and it's become this huge thing, and I'm, not only that people talking about it, but people helping each other find them. So you see people saying, well, I'm, at a, I'm going to be at a store. This is what they've got. Who wants what? Um, and you've been able to benefit from people mentioning titles or items, and you know, and somehow you get a lead on something, and you get connected with someone else. And so this community has really helped people become new fans or you know, jump into volumes that might be harder to find because people are working together. And that's really unique, that people are not trying to screw each other over here. 
I mean, that's part of the rules is that you're not allowed to do that. You're you're selling a cover or, 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 or close enough, and you're just really trying to help people because you love the line. You love the fandom. And that's really exciting to see in action, and obviously you've been able to benefit from this. Absolutely. I, I have had a number of really generous individuals either help me by pointing out when – because I'll post what I'm looking for. And then they'll say like, hey, this person's offering such and such a title. And then making purchases and you know using PayPal, so it's somewhat secure. But ultimately, this isn't a store. This is an individual in a different country or you know state, and they're willing to make me this this offer. And I've been really impressed with the prices. I have I'm pretty I've been pretty good about not overpaying for any of my volumes, even the ones that are out of print and I've had to hunt down. The most I've paid for an, a volume is sixty five Canadian, and the, for us, the epics are usually between fifty and fifty five dollars for our cover price. And I, I did that because it was a Proteus. It was mm-hmm. the, the six, yeah, volume six of X Men, the Proteus volume. It came out in twenty twenty, I think, yeah. if I recall correctly. It was like early winter or, or fall twenty twenty, and I'm like, it's already out of print. It already can't be found anywhere. The prices are already really high on it. Sixty five cash, like this. That's probably as good as it's going to get. Or I waited five more years until it's reprinted. Like it just came out. Like it's not going to be hastily reprinted. Especially since we're probably not going to see a number of these um, reprints on X-Men lines until Feige and crew get the X-Men in the Marvel Universe, MCU, then we'll probably see a huge explosion of reprints. But now, if I, I really wanted to read it, so I, I, I made that arrangement. But everything else has either been a cover price or below that hmm. from help people in the Epic uh, community. So I've been super impressed with their, you know, their openness and their friendliness and their eagerness for this this collecting hobby so um, yeah that's been a massive help for me it's interesting I mean at the time of this recording like we you had posted something of, what is it, a week or so ago about you know you, you were you had three collections left and you finally got one of them so now you just have two left so you're kind of posting about that and I kind of tagged onto your post saying like by the way you know we're going to Detroit and Chicago soon if anyone knows of any stores that might have these and then someone did they're like oh by the way you know the one of these volumes you're looking for is in a store in Chicago in Detroit and I don't know if you've contacted that story yet, but like this, the fact that like that's exciting because again, you're in the hunt, you're trying to find these things, and finding a random person, it, it's it's like a random passerby on the street just says, <laughs> you know, go to go to Detroit, go to the store. There was two a few months ago. I bought one, but there should be one left. It's like what? Like that's insane. That's what are the chances of that happening? That that person sees this post, knows that, and that might help you get one of your you know your last few volumes you're looking for. That's a crazy story. I mean, yeah. I mean, hopefully it'll turn out to be fruitful for us. I haven't, you know, what I didn't message them. I, my was my goal was to message them last week, and I somehow I, I forgot. So you reminded me now. Tomorrow I'll give them a message and see if they could either pull the book, ship it to me, or just we can cross our fingers and um, they won't they won't hold it, and we'll just drive it and, and pick it up, and it'll be glorious. And we'll take pictures for the we'll take pictures for the the group, and we'll post them. But yeah, it, it's kind of like the internet is full of so many things, and both of us are of age. Uh, I, I assume you're of that age. I mean, I know what age you are. I'm just saying, how much internet experience do you have in mid to late 90s? Um, in, in that regard, Very the smart. internet at that time was... Okay, but it was a lot full of a lot of fan sites, mm-hmm. right? There was like a news site here or there, and some of the corporations were dipping their toe into that pool. Using that metaphor, forgive me. And there were a, lot of t- a ton of fan sites and forums and chat rooms, and there's just a lot of enthusiastic people happily talking about Masters of the Universe or about the best way to wax their surfboard or mm-hmm. about... 
you know, their favorite bookstores. And that kind of genuine enthusiasm to be in con- contacting and, and, and connecting with other people who are huge fans of the same thing you are, and that feeling of a genuineness, uh, that's kind of what I found in this community, that, they're, that everyone really just seems to be all about it. And they're very open and transparent. They're like, look, I'm only really selling these because I have a, an, um, an omnibus for it. Uh, this is not because it's torn or you know it, it got thrown in a stew and I'm trying to like pawn it off on you. Every book I've bought or gotten from somebody has been in pristine condition, well you know, well respected, and and so far everyone's telling the truth. So that feeling of authenticity that I felt in a lot of early internet websites and communities is seems to be here too. It's not, I'm, I know it's not the only one like this, but. It's just in an internet full of duplicity and backstabbery and t- trolls. It's nice to be in certain collecting communities where it's like, yeah, these are people you could meet up with at a con at one point and just kind of share stories and talk. Um, and even if you haven't really met them before, that's kind of a neat idea. About, like we can't have cons now, so we have these online cons. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so I checked. There's seventeen hundred members. Of the of this group, so that's you know that's a big club, but there's definitely, as you said, an, an earnestness that everyone kind of has, and the fact that like a, a big part of it is just people sharing pictures of their, of their collections. I mean, like I got my, you know, I just hit a hundred, and then other people being like, oh, I just hit this or whatever, and just you know people talking about the different lines and justifying these are the ones I've decided not to get, and this is why. And <laughs> it, it's actually interesting to hear some people's reasonings and methodologies too. And like I've definitely, you know tried things that I would not have maybe tried if the epics didn't exist. I mean, I'm reading um, the original Marvel Conan. Probably, I mean, I was just interested because I'm like, oh, I've never really read Conan before. I know, obviously, people talk very highly of the Roy Thomas stuff, and so they started putting out these epics, and it was easier than buying a $125 omnibus, although, to be fair, I actually think per dollar, per issue, it actually would have been better just to get those omnibuses because the epics are overpriced and not thick enough. They're actually very thin. So I, if I could go back, maybe I would get an omnibus. Um, but I wasn't sure. Like, you're not going to take a chance on something that's $125. Like, that's right. not the most reasonable choice to make. But um, I would not have maybe picked that up. Sergeant Fury in, in the Howling Commandos, I don't care. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to read this for uh, for the podcast with Curtis. To date, we have still not talked about it. We kept putting it off. <laughs> He's like, we're going to do this. And I remember reading it and I was just like, I'm so bored and it wasn't keeping my interest. And I'm like, why did I buy this? Um, but one of these days I'm going to read the Howling Commandos. Oh, to date only has one volume and I don't know when that's going to change. Well, and we were done with it. Hopefully there's someone else right in the forums that you can offer it to get a good deal. For them. And I'll be happily receiving it. And you'll be like, thank goodness. Yes. I'll be very happy that well. someone wants to experience that. That's just remarkable too, right? It's not that there are people out there that want everything, but I think it's a very small number of people. Everyone else is like, look, we have limitations to what we can spend, and I'm also really going to only want to buy things I want to read, you'll say. Mm-hmm. And it is interesting to, to see how even books from the same company, and you could all say many of us are Marvel heads, there'll be some people that are like, no, I, I got this volume. Um, Amazon accidentally sent me two volumes. I ordered this one. I don't want this one. I, I, I have no intention of ever reading this. This incredible what is this, Incredible Hulk? Anyone ever heard of this? I don't want to read that. And you're just like, why are you dismissive of Incredible Hulk? You know what I mean? Like, okay, I, a lot of people would love that. It's the idea to me that someone just sold me an X-Factor, all new, all different X-Factor, which is the beginning of the Peter David run. Highly, you know, uh, praised run. Uh, in great demand, as far as I can tell, from eBay prices. And this person just like, never read. Nah, you want it? 
I'll give it to you below cover price. I'm like, okay. Like it's just, it's just interesting to see that, that things that I would prize greatly, someone else would be happy to give to me almost. So I, I know how that'll work with Peter David. It's interesting. So they recently, like there's an omnibus now for his run. So, which has definitely changed, I think some of the, uh, demand for the epics as well. Cause some people would want to just have that, you know, consolidated into these omnibuses. And then they announced the second volume is going to have a lot of like the, the major rock stuff that comes obviously much, much later, like a decade later. And part of me was sad about that only because I have like 22 volumes of that in trade that I don't want anymore. Um, and I'm just trying to get rid of it. And everyone's like, there's going to be an omnibus soon. I'm not really interested in it anymore. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, that is interesting too, right? As books are, are, are versions or new formats are released, that how people react to it and how people sometimes like just go into a, 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 a tailspin and like I gotta sell, 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 like trying to get rid of things because they really want it's something another volume that they wanted, another format they wanted. It's finally coming out uh, with, with Ben Riley returning to the Marvel universe in an actual good way, not the Peter David way. Um, I I seem to have, like I was talking to people the other day in a shop and I'm searching for a clone saga volume and uh pe- people were talking about ben and they're like yeah ben riley's back and this is exciting and i'm like do you have any volumes and like we did we had some before but they, they bought them all except for that one mm. so i grabbed the last volume they had and i'm like are people looking for these trades now like the complete clone saga the ben riley like they must be because as this new storyline gets more and more popular perhaps as it does well it's probably going to draw people's attention to going oh yeah i'd love to read about where, where ben riley originally came from so now it's like the worst time for me to collect these because I probably have competition. You should just edit out this last part, Adam. Don't let this last part go there because then people are going to go, wait a minute. Uh, I think they probably have it already. <laughs> yeah, and I should have I bought those at the time. But I just I didn't have money and I didn't really have the, the desire to read them. Mm. Um, something told me that the Clone Saga it just wasn't for me. I probably wouldn't enjoy it. Even though so I have several of those single issues and every single issue I had read, except for the amazing Scarlet Spider, I enjoyed. Mm. So I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking, especially the, um, the Jean Romita Jr. stuff, which is phenomenal. It's so gorgeous. Yeah. now I'm, I'm trying to repent of my sins, sins remembered or whatever you want to call it. Uh, uh my journey. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I get so that. I, it's interesting. I guess, I started buying a lot of the stuff as it was coming out, as it was first being published, and I think I was just, I don't know if I was scared about, about things being out of print, but I was just kind of like, well, why wait around? And then I would see things disappear, and I'm like, well, glad I did that. And yeah, as you said, like, I don't think you're going to make that mistake anymore. Like, If you have an inkling of maybe wanting to get something, you know it might not be around forever. Um, and that, as you said, it's kind of like... It's like this weird, you know, comic book, graphic novel, collected edition stock market where things are just like bananas. And like my big one for me was that for years I wanted the JMS Ultimate Collection Volume Five, and I couldn't have it um, because it was out of print and it was the lowest print run of the five, obviously because it was the last one and it was you know going for 150 bucks. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And then I remember finding an auction. It was. $14, but then there was like three or four auctions of the same day, all the same price. I'm like, what is happening? So I'm like, well, there's no way this is going to happen. I'm just going to put a bid in on a bunch of these. And then I got three volumes. I won all of them and for like 14 bucks each. And I'm like, I don't know what happened, but I guess it's because the JMS omnibuses um, uh, were about to come out with volume two and everyone's like, well, this soft cover is useless now, which it's not. <laughs> 
but they just didn't care. So I'm like, all right. Yeah. So I, I, you know, was able to benefit from that. So I finally got to, you know, fill in that hole. And, and then a buddy of mine who was also missing the exact same volume, I was able to give it to one to him. And then I think I traded the other one to, for someone else for something else that was hard to find. But I never thought I would ever find it. And it's out of nowhere, $13. What is happening? And you recommended I do something similar to that, like um, get other books. If you find other books that are out of print, just in your travels, grab them, and then you'll have them for trades. And I'm like, yeah, but then I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> this turtle, I just like this or whatever else is carrying things on their back, this giant kind of like, you know, mule carrying schlepping books around everywhere. I'm like, yeah, I have extra shelves of books that I'm never going to read. It's like over in triplicate. But just for the hope that someone will trade me back the basics of Wolverine. Like, it's not, mm. not really the thing I wanted to do, but it is it is clever. Like, I'm not going to say it's worked out for you, right? So, um, maybe. I mean, it also might just have so happen. I'll buy one of those books, and I'll just read it, and I'll love it. And so then I've just now started buying other things. And I, I, I would, more I would love that to happen. I, I, eventually, you're going to own it all. All of what? All of the epics? Uh, all the Marvel epics. All the Marvel, well, okay, Marvel, you narrowed it down to a company. You think I'm going to go in there and I'm going to get all the Avengers and all the Thors and all the Iron Mans? That's going to happen to me, you think? I think that's actually not unreasonable. I think other stuff <laughs> no. like, I think like She-Hulk, I, yes, I don't think you're going to go there. Um, Heroes for Hire, I think you would. I think you would think about it. I think you'd think about doing an Iron Fist, doing Power Man. I think that you'd be interested in those because there's historical context to that. Like Iron Fist, you're getting some early Claremont and John Byrne before they're working on X-Men together. Um, so I think that would be a historical, um, you know, curiosity to you, seeing the first Sabretooth over there in Iron Fist. So I think that would be something interesting to you. Uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah, some of those volumes are going to seem weirder, but like you already have a Black Widow. It's not that hard to say, get another one. Um, you know, maybe, I mean, I, well, you're probably not getting Morbius, but you know, that's actually one that I've really thought about now. Like the more I think about it, I'm like, well, maybe that's what I actually want. That's kind of maybe a, a, a kooky one that I might want to take a look at, especially since it's the, the, the Halloween season coming up. I'm like, maybe next week. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I actually, one day I think that you would enjoy, again, historical context more than anything is uh, X-Men Epic Volume 4, because it's that weird in-between yeah. period where it's just every guest appearance that the X-Men made. So they're not going to have agency in any of those stories. Like, it's not going to be about them. They're just incidental, like, you know, team-up characters, for lack of a better term. But it's just so interesting to see the X-Men that way. And, like, where else are you going to find such a great collection of weird stuff like that that you'd have to pick up multiple different lines to usually get that? Like, there's the upcoming, I think it's Namor... Uh, epic or one of the name were epics where it just has all these weird first appearances that the character made in other books that's really fascinating yeah that's true I mean it did go through my mind after we made that purchase in Alberta and I was able to grab Dissolution and Rebirth and we were like get for you Strange Days from Fantastic Four epic and I'm leafing through that I'm like oh man I think I should have ordered another one of these and then I'm like well if I were to get this it sort of hap- it starts to happen to you right you're like mm-hmm. well, I was going to get this and I guess I should get the volume before this. And I want the John Byrne stuff when that comes out. And then am I going to want to close, fill in that gap between the, the, those, the 80s and the 90s? Is that what my life is now? Yep. And then there's the, the all-new Fantastic Four, which you're looking for. And I'm like, well, that's actually one I'd like to read too because I've never read that before. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the end of it. So. What, what is best about that to me is that you called it because you're like, you know what? Strange Days is going to show up and I'm going to leave through it. I'm going to want it. And that's exactly what happened. And then what I actually found even funnier than that is that 
it felt like you went to like two or three stores and they all had strange days. Like, why yeah. don't we even bother going to Alberta? Like, yeah. we really didn't have to do that at all. Uh, but, but now I know where those stars, stores are and I'm thinking about going to them next week or one of them next week and then grabbing a few more epics. I'm going to maybe grab that Ms. Marvel that I hemmed and hawed about that I didn't grab <laughs> because it's Claremont and it's got some Len Wein art in there, which is really good art. And then I'm just like, okay, but then if I do that, then I have to definitely get the death of uh, Captain Stacy. Because I was looking through that in a bookstore the other day, and the Gil Kane art was just like, "This is amazing." So, it's I need to just I need to stop. And we were texting about that, and I laughed because I obviously have the the artist edition of that Gil Kane uh, issue that you happen to be looking at. And I was like, "Oh yeah, look at this beautiful original blonde." It's you know, so good. So, you're, but, so good. So on Spider Man, you're not really a fan of Jr. Senior. I respect what he did. Uh, I know why he's a big deal. I just love his son's work more. Mm. And when I looking at that volume, uh, volume six, right, the death of Captain Stacy, mm-hmm. um, and you can see Rubita art in the first half and Gil Kane in the second half. I'm just flipping back and forth, and I'm like, I think Kane is much better. Like in my opinion, like I'm drawn more to his style. I'm not saying Romita's bad. I just prefer his son, and I prefer other artists around Romita. I prefer Ditko, and I prefer Gil Kane. So. Does this mean that I'm never going to collect Ramita senior stuff? No, doesn't mean that, I guess, but I've just not drawn there yet. Hmm. That was not a pun. I'm sorry, that was not an intentional pun. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's interesting to be able to go and find creators that you're, that you're, that pull at you, that are, are, are um, sure. you know, you're, you're, you find their work attractive. And so I did that with um, McFarland, and I'm like, I've always wanted to read more of this stuff. And I, I think his impact on drawing Spidey is, almost immeasurable the way that everyone was aping and copying him after he left. And I'm just like, I really want to read this stuff and get a sense of it. Mm -hmm. So I might just poke around at different creators and then realize (laughs) I, I've got so many of these volumes. I might as well finish the rest off that, you know what? It's interesting. The Avengers and Captain America are the ones I'm probably least likely to look at right now. Um, and I never would have thought that was the case because I bought Essentials of Avengers, mm. at least two or three volumes of Essentials, and was reading all these Avengers stories. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. I get to get a sense of history here. And Kang the Conqueror's first appearance, really, really neat. And for some reason, I'm just kind of, I don't know. I have a, my, my preference for X-Men and Spider-Man is so much stronger than it's been in the past. If I look at my recent collecting habits from the past 20 years of trades, I've collected everything. Like My wife and I collect everything. Uh, we can't, like, here and there, anything that interests us, I mean. But now I'm just Spider-Man and X-Men. That's kind of mostly what I want. And mm. every once in a while I want to read a Daredevil and maybe a Silver Surfer here or there. But I guess there's a reason why those two franchises are so popular. There's mm-hmm. so much good content, such great characters. Uh, I'm happy to kind of focus on those two. And while I'm collecting pretty much the entire X-Men line, part of me is like, you could read Ultimate Amazing Spider-Man too. so just so you know. Oh, <laughs> That's man. kind of a part of me, right? Um, I don't know. So if you, you, you did it. I don't know if you saw on the Epic Collection um, Facebook group, uh, someone has shown that they got Chris Bacallo to uh, sign their Generation X uh, tr- um, oh. Epic, and apparently oh. uh, Bacallo didn't even know that uh, the Epic Collection of Generation X existed. He was like, "Wait, what?" Like he apparently he just was blown away by it. Apparently he started flipping through it and asked him when it came out. Even he was like, "When did this come out?" Like this is pretty cool. It's his own work. Yeah, I mean, at least it's recent. At least it hasn't been out for five years. I mean, it came up like two months ago, but still, yeah, that's interesting when artists. Well, because I don't, I guess they don't send them an email. Well, usually they get comps, right? Like usually your work gets collected. I, I thought that I, 
in gen- most cases. Especially, it's not even like he doesn't work for Marvel anymore. Like, he's still working for Marvel right now. Yeah. So you'd think that he'd be yeah. on some sort of list. They'd be like, hey, guess what? Your stuff's being reprinted. Here you go. Or at least a heads up of some kind. Yeah, I mean, the way that Rob Liefeld talks on his podcast, he seems to either completely get comps on whenever they collect a volume, or it just it's, it helps to fill his ego so much more that he can't stop talking about it. But he seems highly aware whenever they recollect Heroes Reborn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe they are, maybe that was part of his contract with them. Who knows? Yeah, it could be a royalty deal, right? Like that kind of stuff, especially because it was his own studio. It's not the same as he was just working on it himself, but like he was actually working everything about that the book was his company right it was farmed out to him so maybe there's a different kind type of contract for something like that and now you're trying to get me into getting more of those collections of heroes return and i'm like i can't be doing all the epic stuff and the spider-man clone stuff and finishing off the you know uh, mike carey stuff and then you're like yeah but just go get those heroes return things because you don't know when those will be sold out i'm like oh that's the thing right like i, I understand what you're saying too right that you're like kind of like let me deal with one thing at a time and then maybe I'll get to it. And I'm like, there is no time. By the time I get to it, it'll be too late. It could be, you know, you never know. Like I, um, I know I told you off podcast before, but I was trying to get Heroes Return Iron Man for like a decent price at uh, one of our like kind of local comic shops and they had it on their online website. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll just order it that way. And then it took me a year to get a hold of this book because they didn't actually have it. So they had to get it from somewhere, and then COVID happened, and then they were closed, and they were barely operational, or the, and they weren't responding to emails. And I'm like, I'm never getting this volume. And then I watched it slowly disappear from Amazon, and I was like, No, I'm never getting this. I want this book so bad because like that 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 run means so much to me. I have it in omnibus. I don't need it in, in complete collections, but there's just something so much more satisfying about it, um, and more accessible. So I have most of the Heroes Return stuff. I'm actually surprised. Thor has not made it to these trades yet. They have, you know, these two giant omnibuses of that entire Heroes Return run, but they have not gone to the actual, you know, smaller or smaller, relatively speaking, of these thick uh, softcover collections. But they've done Captain America. We already know we're getting. I think Volume Two is finally coming out next year. They've done like three or four of the Fantastic Four. I think they're coming up on five soon. Like they're very aggressive on pushing the FF. Um, what else is there? There's Iron Man, FF, Cap. Oh, yeah. And now, I, you know, now wherever I go out, I take a picture whenever I find a volume of this Iron Man trade that Adam you just mentioned because I oh here's Reborn that's here's Reborn Iron Man oh you have the Heroes Return one the uh, the Sean Chen you're talking about yes I love that okay, okay. Um, I will say I have both I'll take pictures of them too <laughs> I don't know it's fun having people with you when you're shopping though like hey look what I found like you know having you and Paul on here just kind of reacting to it it's, it's it makes it a community thing for sure it's fun. Well, I like any your. I will say, like every time you get something new, you do excessive like photo shoots of your of your mail call, and it's not just like here's the volume I got. It's like here's the box. Here's the box. Yeah. I open it. Like it's basically. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's like a flip book. Uh, you know, it would have been a video, but instead it's just a bunch of images. And if you fl- flip through them really fast, it's kind of like you're watching a movie. It's a comic of a comic opening. Yeah, that's right. This is my, my, my silent panel comic opening. So what I'm excited about talking about, like six months from now, we do this again. We talk about where you are then and what new thing you've decided that you must have. No. You think, <laughs> I think that in six months I'll probably be knee deep in the Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man epics. That's what I think. That's what I fear is going to happen. 
Now, so you you said this before, and it seems heresy, but are you going to just avoid the first two volumes by Steve Ditko? I don't want to avoid Ditko. I just don't. I want to buy volumes I want to read, hmm. and I don't love Stan Lee's writing. But I would definitely rather have the first few volumes of Amazing Spider-Man with Lee to get Ditko. I would, and I love Jack Kirby, but I again the X Men stuff. I'm much less much less likely to get their X Men work, um, Lee and Kirby, that I am to get the Lee Ditko stuff. So maybe I'll go that way. I mean, I have such fond memories of these issues of these reprints that my parents would get me. I don't know who was getting these for me, but they'd be in my stocking or something like that. Like I would just have these issues with Spider Man. And a number of them were like Spider-Man tries to join the Fantastic Four. Spider-Man fights Doc Ock. Um, a reprint of, I don't have the number memorized, Spider-Man and Iceman. Mm-hmm. Um, when Stacy's in it, there's a mobster. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's in the it's in volume six, I believe. Uh, I think that's right. I wanted to say it was like ASM 88, but that may not be early enough or sorry, late enough. I think it's after her um, dad dies. But, so, so just stuff like that that I read when I was younger and I have great effects. Yeah, uh, so I, I part of me might just say I would like to have these. So I might be that person. That's how it starts. Yeah, I, looked, I looked at your shelf. I mean, you show me those pictures of your amazing Spider-Man shelf. It is quite a glorious thing to behold. I uh, I mean, I'm a Spider-Man guy. So like I've, I've said before, X-Men is what got me into comics. Spider-Man helped keep me in comics. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I just love Peter. I also love Ben. Yeah, I love Ben. I, 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 Peter's cool, but Ben is my preferred. Which seems, I mean, seems I, wrong, I read a bunch it? of Peter stuff. What? It seems, it seems wrong. wrong. I don't know. The more people I meet and talk to looking for these books, I'm like, hey, do you guys have any Clone Saga stuff? People just drop in and say, oh, yeah, that's the Ben Riley stuff. I'm like, yeah. Like, Scott Spider's one of my favorite characters. I'm like, really? Like, I'm having these conversations with shopkeepers and people randomly, because people randomly want to talk about this stuff whenever you're in a comic book store, yeah. even if they were just there to buy a sports card or something. They're like, oh, hey, you guys talking about Spider Man? So it is interesting the number of people that I have interacted with that are also apparently big and Riley heads. Um, I, I yeah, my first Spider-Man issues were with Peter, but the ones that I got when I was old enough to really think of myself as a intelligent reader. I know when you're 11, you're not, but it's like everything we consume when we're like between the ages of 10 to 15, we think we're the most sophisticated readers now. So any any book that takes us seriously any book or author that gives us stuff that is more adult oriented, we're just like smiling to ourselves and thinking that we're Shakespeare. You know what I mean? Like we think that we're just like the greatest writers and we are high readers. So it really shapes us and influences us. So I was at the right time. I think that was the era when I come came across Phil Urich, who was a teenager. Well, yeah, I guess he was 19 or 20. Phil Urich he was like kind of in college and he didn't know what to do with his life. And he's like, so what, what the heck am I supposed to do now? Like that was, he was always asking himself, what am I supposed to do? He was unsure of his life. He was kind of living on his own in New York. And I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of like, that's an older guy. Like that's five years older than me. Like this, mm-hmm. this, this is the, this guy knows what's up. And so I kind of really attached to him. And then Ben just seemed at that time as well, older than me, of course, cause he was Peter's age, but he also didn't seem to have everything going on. And I know Peter doesn't either. Peter is like his whole story of it is that he can't quite get his life together, but Ben had it worse. Mm-hmm. And there's just something about how angsty he was about being a clone and about not belonging that really just resonated with me. That kind of anti-hero aspect to both the Green Goblin, Phil Urich, and to Scarlet Spider. 
the fact that Scarlet Spider would almost beat someone with an inch of their life because he just felt like he wasn't a real man, but he was enough of a hero to pull back from that, and he, he wouldn't, and, um, you know, stuff like that that was so dark and edgy to me, like, oh, this is the darkest and edgiest thing, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an adult person now, like, those kinds of things probably imprinted on me, hmm. and ever since then, Ben's been my favorite. I'm excited to be part of your kind of reading journey as you go through the Clone Saga, because there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, the, my, the thing I miss the most about all of these collections that aren't Silver Age omnibuses is not having letters pages. Um, because I love that window into the world, um, to see what people were thinking at the time. Like if you, in my Uncanny X-Men omnibus, um, with the first of Claremont stuff, you see, um, letter pages from people who are like, who are these X-Men? These aren't my X-Men. Bring back my original five X-Men. Yeah. They're like, um, this Wolverine guy's a jerk. I don't like this guy. He's terrible. Um, you know, get rid of Thunderbird. Oh, wait, you did. Um, but, like, it's fascinating to read it in, in context, and so I wish we got more of those in these other collections because I remember, you know, as a kid, I had only a scattering of issues during the Clone Saga, but I remember in the ones I had when I was, like, I, I eventually bought more, but the ones I remember buying and when I only had a handful of issues to read, I would read them over and over again. So I read everything cover to cover. I read every letter page. I knew all the letters. And it was just exciting because you'd, you'd see people, again, it's what the internet does now, people dissecting it and being like, oh, who's this person who's on their way to see Aunt May? It's got to be the clone. Oh, look, they have, you know, the Midtown High ring that they're wearing. And people are like, you know, sleuthing it out and like, oh my God, that's so cool. And I love that stuff as a kid because I didn't know what was going on, but I could get a sense of what these, you know, this this greater world. And I do miss letters pages being reprinted. I understand why they're not really around anymore and that's fine, but I wish that we got the old ones. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you're saying you're, anxious or interested to see me go on this this journey again I, looking through some of the volumes i have now like sankevich is in there and some wonderful john armida jr stuff and, and of course ben, uh, tom lyle who i really love and then bagley who's great and, and um uh what's his name on web um butler to be butler Butler stuff is pretty good. Like he's not a throwaway artist. He's not a nothing artist. I was like, okay, well, I don't, really, I didn't really reweb. Let's take a look at this. Like looking through some of Butler stuff, I'm like, wow, some really excellent renderings. I was looking in particular about the way he renders hands and things like that and fingers. Like some of the musculature is really, really good. So if nothing else, I think I can greatly appreciate these these books for the art because there's some phenomenal art and it's very much of the era. And I do again, that's the era where I was a teenager in the '90s. So. I just have an affection. I have a nostalgia. There's just a feeling of the art and the colors and even the inks from that era that is not the same as any other era. And it's the same thing with X-Men. Like you look back at those X-Men books and the Cooper brothers and it's just like, it just has this feeling to it. And I love that art and I connect to it emotionally. So, you know, I, I'm excited too. I really can't wait to get these volumes and read the whole thing. Now, Sikovich is interesting um, because I would say because of him, my ability to appreciate Sal Buscema was very delayed <laughs> because he destroys Sal Buscema's work. Um, yeah. And it's it's awful. And so I, for years... Oh, you think it's awful? Oh, it's so... I think I what he does to Buscema is unconscionable. Like, it, <laughs> like because Buscema's got some beautiful line work and it's so emotive and he's such a great storyteller. And I know that now. But I didn't know that when I was younger. And the first time I was seeing it, I was seeing these very heavy Sinkovich inks 
perverting the simple line work that Buscema had and seeing issues, and it doesn't help that some of the work he got to do was controversial stuff like when you have Peter like backhanding Mary Jane uh, during like Time Bomb. Um, it, you have one of the first appearances of the, the Green Goblin with Phil Urich uh, is in one of those issues that's, again, very uh, extra murky and mucky because of all these inks. Like, I'm interested to see you go through it because... I could not like Buscema at the point at the time when I was younger. I was like, "This is not good." Um, and now I can go back and I look at all the amazing Buscema artwork over the years. He's such an amazing storyteller. What the hell happened in the '90s? Why did they do this to him? I don't know. And Sinkovich is a great artist, it's interesting. but not it's interesting because I know I know Sal's work from other stuff, right? I haven't really, really read these issues yet, so I already know Sal. So it might be different for me indeed because also reading Sienkiewicz on you know Moon Knight and New mm-hmm. Mutants so I know him and I know what he does when it's his own work so now we have a blending of Sal's good storytelling with the the atmosphere the, the ambiance the, 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 those inks of Sienkiewicz and just looking through it like I really dig it right now so because it's a blending of those two artists in a way that most most inkers are, you know, because there's different philosophies on inking, right? Some inkers are like you're only supposed to ink what's there, mm-hmm. and there's a range of personalities, and and, and, mm-hmm. and there's reasons why some inkers stand out, and others are not even mentioned. So to me, I'm just like I feel like I'm reading a, a, a Sal and a Sinkavich book mm-hmm. when I'm looking at these. So I'm kind of excited to dig in that and kind of get a feeling for what they're doing with it. Maybe I'll hate it. I don't know, but for, I, mean, I was excited to see his work there. I, I feel like um, there's people who talk about how Vince Coletta ruined Jack Kirby on uh, FF, and he would come in and it would just it would be he missed the point, and he would just do things, and that's how I feel about Sinkovich on Busema. And it's interesting because again. I like him just fine on his own, and he does some really interesting things. Some people just shouldn't be inkers. Like, some people are, you know, they're meant to be pencilers and, or maybe inking their own work. But, you know, again, some yeah. some inkers, they take over, and it just becomes this other thing, and it's it's not respecting the, the inherent intent of the original line art. And that's how I felt about it. And so maybe you'll get something out of it differently because you're looking for all the cool nuances that... Uh, that Sinkovich is bringing to the table. I just felt like he was taking away what Buscema was trying to do. Um, and if you yeah, need to see anything le- like anything about what Buscema was already doing a year or two earlier, you had the death of Harry Osborn, which is this beautiful issue. And there's not a Sinkovich ink anywhere. It's someone else. And it just looks better. The storytelling is crisper and it's not trying to be dark and edgy. And I guess maybe that's, how I kind of revolt against it is I feel like it's Sinkovich trying to be dirty and, and dark and edgy with something that didn't need to be. And we don't, I mean, yes, we don't, I can't speak for you, but I don't know if you know this, but we don't know, like you're saying we, I don't know what the story is either. Like, were they really collaborative? If they were in this collaboration and if, you know, um, Sinkovich sent back a page to Sal and Sal went and said, you know, I can't, I can't believe you did my work. This is unbelievable. I mean, this is, I've never seen it like this before. Keep doing it. Or, I can't believe what you've done my, with my work. This is horrible. You, you, you've washed out most of my, my work here. Please stop doing it. And Sinkiewicz goes, eh, I'll do what I want. Right? Like, we don't know what their relationship was like. Sure. I would think that based on Sal Buscema's, his, his weight, kind of in, in his gravitas, his, his years in the business, that he probably would be able to say to Marvel, like, I'm not working with this guy. Like, he's ruining my, my stuff. That Marvel mm-hmm. would probably say, yeah, you're, you're a Buscema. You're, you're a big deal. Um, I, so maybe they, he liked it. Maybe he's like, yeah, you're doing something completely different from my art and um, keep going. So I, who knows, right? If, if, Sal, if Sal's permission was given there, I think that might also 
you still would maybe like the pages, but it might not feel as icky to you. Maybe. But who knows? I can who go knows? back at some point and start rereading it and kind of, again, re-jumping uh, into the, you know, the, the intricate messes that are the Clone Saga. Yeah, well, I'll talk to you more about it as I go through it. I'm, I'm happy to do that. You Have you read it all before at all? Or, like, how much... The whole thing? No. No, I would read issues. I had several issues of it, but I've never read the full... No. Everything? No, absolutely not. Interesting. What about it are you most excited about experiencing? Like, what are the blind spots for you? I mean, a lot of it is to get a feeling for that era that I... those the, the blind spots themselves, like the gaps, the things that I don't know, um, the th- issues that I have read that I've really enjoyed. I mean, pretty much every issue I've read, I've enjoyed too. Like, it's not like I read some of those single issues and were like, nah, pretty much everything. Like in particular, there's the, um, impact, the onslaught impact in Spider-Man. Uh, what is that? Uh, I can't remember the issue number, but, uh, it's leading up to 75. So it's a 70, I think it's like yeah. 71 or 72 or something like that. I love that issue so much. <laughs> And then I read 75, and I really like that issue, too. I don't care that they're potato faces. I really enjoy um, Meter Jr.'s work on that. And then I have other issues by Tom Lyle that I enjoyed. And I showed you one the other day of, like, a panel that, like, stuck with me so much that I tried to draw it over and over again as, as a teenager. So I'm excited for more of that. Like, I want more of those cool issues that I experienced when I was younger. And so there's going to be nostalgia there, but there's also stuff that I, you know, the artistry and the drama of it all. It's such like X-Men, the, the best X-Men that you could argue is high drama um, uh, soap opera. And this is where Spider-Man seems to kick it into soap opera in high gear. It's like, oh, yeah. oh you're my secret brother who's also, who's actually really my clone and I thought you were dead and you're here with my wife now talking to Mary Jane. It's like, well, actually, I'm not going to horn in on your territory, Peter, but we get to fight for a minute. And also, I had my own redheaded girlfriend that I got in, uh, together with in my untold years, and now I'm kind of attracted to Mary Jane, but I won't tell anyone about it. Oh no, it's Kane, our other brother clone, who can't show his face because he's a monster. Like, it's just these rippling muscle men, high testosterone on rooftops, secret identity madness, and it's just, it's just so soap opera that... Like, oh, the jackal's here, and he thinks you're the real clone. Like, <laughs> it's just perfectly too much. So I can't wait to kind of get back into the, that excessive soap opera '90s thing. That as a teenager, I was like, wow, this is like real storytelling. And maybe I'll like it even more. I won't, I won't just enjoy it ironically. Maybe I'll enjoy it heavily, like for its own merit. And I'm, hope, I'm hoping to enjoy it on its own merit. I hope that is true. It'll be interesting to have you experience some of uh, like a lot of the the fake outs, the twists. Uh, I'll be more interested to kind of see some things, like just to see what you think about certain things, like certain mysteries, like the spider skeleton, who is Gaunt, like all these questions. I want you to. I, I, it's almost like yeah. I want you to live blog it and be like, "This is what's happening." <laughs> well, and you know me when it comes to all the other twists and turns about this, the actual identity, I will still go to my grave telling you that Ben Riley is the actual Peter Parker and that Peter is a clone. I don't care who tells me otherwise. They've already flip-flopped that fish so many times anyway. It doesn't really matter. You kind of get to make up your own mind. Mm. And I have made up my mind. <laughs> That's funny. Any parting thoughts? We've we've gone just over an hour. Um, I'm excited to see where your ep- again your epic journey, your complete collection journeys, your all these uh, trade paperback collections. Uh, I'm very excited to see what happens here. Yeah, final thoughts. I'm a crazy maniac who probably shouldn't have access to my own credit card, <laughs> and 
um, it's an exciting time to really to be a comic book collector, right? Like you've got the Marvel Unlimited that you can just do a monthly fee and you can read almost anything that you want. And DC has their equivalent. So of the big two, there's so much access to stuff. Mm. Image has had a, rena- a, rena- a renaissance and it's just like image books are off, off the chain. There's so many good ta- artists and writers and great talent working with Image. Um, it's just an incredible time. And if you want to read all the Star Wars stuff, you never get a chance to through Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. It's okay because now Marvel's doing epics of those too. So Star Wars fans can read the uncanonical but still very interesting expanded universe mm-hmm. in a way they maybe had a hard time doing before. So um, just a really, really exciting time. And uh, I'm excited to maybe really fill in – not maybe really – to absolutely fill in my miss, my, my my knowledge, my understanding of the Marvel Universe in a way that I only dreamed I could have when I was a teenager. Actually, I will have one last parting question for you. Um, if you had to buy a non, like a non, a non uh, Marvel kind of six one six volume of epics, what do you think it would be? Would it be Conan? Would it be a Star Wars semi, like one of those brands under the Star Wars heading? What would it be that would not be your traditional Marvel? Kill Raven doesn't count, right? I'll count it. I'll actually, you know, I I was so close to buying Kill Raven. So what stopped you? There's uh, so the artist whose name I have written down in my phone, but he, he's a phenomenal artist. He's just incredible. He's not on every issue though. Um, he's no. a highly celebrated sci-fi artist. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Uh, I can't think of the name, but yeah, was it Russell? Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. So he's done a bunch of issues in there. I think the second half, and I'm looking through them like this is incredible work. I kind of just want it, not because I like um, the, the the stories, right? Because it's, it's not Stern, is it? No, it's Don McGregor. And on on the stories? On some of them. I thought he, I saw some of the other writers. Um, I'm not sure who else, but he's definitely Roy Thomas. Maybe Roy Thomas might be in there. Uh, that's possible. So I was looking at the writers. And I'm like, well, this doesn't really grab me, but the work by Russell is just so incredible. So that's something I've mulled over, and then. If they ever do an inside, um, Battlestar Galactica, I, I might grab that. I would love for them to do G.I. Joe and Transformers, if they could ever figure that out. Uh, unlikely, because uh, you've had, IDW has published a lot of that Marvel stuff over there. So technically, and now it's out of print. And now it's out of print. Of course it is. Um, and so same thing with Battlestar, though. I don't think Battlestar is likely either. But if we're saying what ifs, those are some what ifs, but... Mm. Kill Raven. I'm, I'm. I thought what I would do is wait and see if I could get it cheaper because I don't know if I could justify it at full price. A full price because I'm just kind of curious. Uh, and I know what you're going to say, don't wait. And if it was something I was really passionate about, I wouldn't wait. I would grab it. Here's but, the thing. I think that's one that people have wanted so long because it's again, it's a niche thing. I don't think they're going to. I don't think there's going to be that many in print. So I feel like if you're going to, if you wait on it, you're going to miss it. Yeah, I can live with that though. No, I mean you can you can live with any of it. I can live more easily with that. Not you're not getting that with them with some other things. Would you ever buy Conan? I don't think so. No, I mean I'd have to read one and then be like hooked before considering buying them. I'm not really drawn to that universe. Would it, would you go modern Conan or Conan Chronicles? Sorry, Conan Chronicles are Mar- the original Marvel years. Um, I, I, all I have heard is from fans who read the old Conan stuff. It was good. So I don't really know the difference between the two. If the new one is celebrated at all. It is. It's by Kurt Busiek and Carrie Nord. 
Oh, that's, I mean, that's a pretty good talent. They did a lot of it. I mean, obviously, there's other creative teams as well. Um, Marvel-wise, we know that we're getting a Ghost Rider uh, next yes. year, and we're also getting a Hawkeye next year. Which one would you be more likely to buy? Uh, of those two, 100% Ghost Rider. Really? Over over Hawkeye? Yeah. I mean, I'm very sad for Hawkeye. What? You, you're going to get it? I don't know. I I, I want to. I Hawkeye's a weird one, right? Because he's, he's just kind of all over the place uh, yeah. in terms of where, what you're getting there. And again, he's not necessarily the most focal point character in some of those. So from a historical context, it's interesting. But from a you know, lover of the character, are you really going to get a lot of good development there? A lot of that, a lot of the issues I would say no. Um, so, I, so I'm not really sure. So what's so interesting about these like Avengers from the MCU epics, because they have fans of Hawkeye and Black Widow and people that want to read stuff and they'll go to the comic book store and they'll say, hey, I love Black Widow from the movies. What can you recommend for me? And unless you have the ongoing series or mini series of Black Widow in your shop to hand to them, you're like, um... I don't know. So then you hand them what? Epic Volume 1? And they can read her with her weird Black Widow original costume and mm. early Avengers kind of sh- you know, sh- shenanigans, chicanery, as it were. Like, is that really going to draw you in? No, you kind of have to go to Volume 2 because then she's actually wearing her black costume. And then do, you know where her first black, do you know where her black costume first debuted? I don't, no. Amazing Spider-Man. There it is. She fought and uh, it was John Romita Sr. who designed it. Oh my gosh, I was looking through that epic the other day. Yes, you were. That was the first time, eh? Like, I remember her pulling that suit on. It's very nonchalant. Like, it's not even a big deal at all, but that that changed her look forever. Yeah, I did look at that, and I thought that was really good art. So there's an example of Romita where I, you know, maybe should buy his stuff. I thought that was really well done. I thought the art was really good there. It's funny because a character like that, when I first... I think when I first really saw her in the comics... It was reading some of the Frank Miller visionaries when she's got the close crop top, crop top hair and the gray costume, which is so different yeah, from it. what we know now. Like that, she yeah. doesn't look like that anymore. I love that costume. Yeah, I love that look. But yeah, I know that. Yeah, that issue. She puts that costume on, and then she's swinging around the city, and then they get she gets into a fight with Spider Man. I think Spider Man thinks she's bad or something like that, or I think so. some kind of misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she did look well, bad. <laughs> she, a redhead swinging around with a black costume not in my town nope that's not allowed <laughs> alright perfect well again thank you so much for uh, for joining me to talk about um, everything that you love about epics because uh, again I always I find it so interesting because you're coming into it late but you're so well, with a gusto that has I have not seen rivaled in many should I mention before we end my gusto over a certain spinal misprinting on a Wolverine volume? I'm okay with not going down that road because then I'll have to talk about my upset over the Clone Saga epics uh, in the first uh, printings having a, a similar uh, spinal color issue. So. Yes, it depends on the which one you buy, the printing that you buy. So now because of that issue you're having, this the problem you're having with the light blue versus the dark kind of blue, I'm being very careful in my purchasing to make sure they all line up. What's funny is that until you mentioned it, I didn't know that they actually color corrected a second ball, like a second printing. I just assumed it just never got fixed. So Paul and I have been griping about it for like a decade and you just walk in all nonchalant, hey, look at this, no problem at all. I'm like, oh, all my All my spines match, so sorry, uh, sorry to tell you that. But. Oh, ours do not. It's very upsetting. All right. All right, well, thanks for being on. It's been for sure. Talking. 
Uh, to those listening, you can email me at comicshenetics at gmail.com, rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again, Nate, for joining me, and we'll make sure to, uh, I mean, we're going to have you back on anyway. We're going to have a road trip episode in a month or so, but um, we will at some point talk more about Epic specifically. Probably not on the road trip episode, because that might bore <laughs> Paul to death, um, although he, he might just roll his eyes, but we'll see. We'll get him in. We'll get him. I tried to give him an epic, and he wouldn't take it. I was the, it was the way to get in the door. His son has one. Don't worry. That's the beginning. Okay, fine. All right. It's, it's, it's in his house. He can't deny it. <laughs> it's true. All right. All thanks right, so much. You.